Good morning, church. Please join me as we come together and worship God through song. Please stand if you're able. Good morning. 
glad that there's a few more people. Just to let you know who you you guys who are sitting online there. There's a few more people here today than there were last week. And uh, <laughs> uh, you know, fair weather attenders, I guess, is what we might call them. And so it's good to have you back online. It's good to have you online, whether you're watching today live with us or whether you watch it a little bit later this week. And it's good to have you guys back in the house, okay? It makes a difference to have people. And, and uh, look, we all, we all want spring. We want flowers. I want to ride my motorcycle. I want to ride my motorcycle. I want to, I never, yeah, you get it, okay? <laughs> um, we want to do those kind of things and we want to enjoy the warm weather. We want to enjoy one another's uh, fellowship. And uh, today we're coming together to worship God together. And, and we look forward to a day when we'll be gathered in a much nicer place than this and, and standing before the throne of God and really understanding what it was that He did for us and, and maybe what it was, I, I don't know how that works out, but, but I'm telling you, by, there are times when we, we don't stand before God here like we ought to. And we're missing out. And, and we can't see that. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning and sing today. So let's draw close to God and what we do. You're going to join us in prayer, and then I'm going to say a little bit more, and I'm going to watch a video. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray this day, Lord, Father, that your word would touch our hearts, draw us to you, Father, in the music, in the, in the, in the scripture that we read this morning. Father, in the words that, that you've given to me, Father, may they be your words and may they bring glory and honor to you. Father, we pray that help us, Lord, to draw closer to you. Father, we are your missionaries. We go out there in this world, Lord, they need to see you in us. They need to see a difference. Father, that they can, they can ask, Lord, what is it that you have? And Father, we can speak into their lives and draw them from the darkness and introduce them to Jesus. Father, pray that we can do that. Father, pray that you'd put somebody in our path, Lord, that we might get to share what you've done for us. And Lord, how you can do the same for them. Father, we pray for our, our convention, Lord. We pray for our churches. Father, help us, Lord, to preach the word. Father, help us to, to be uh, the, the convention, Lord, that's about the gospel. Father, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, it's February it's going to be March next, right? And then after that is April. And in April, the four, first Sunday in April is actually uh, Easter Sunday. Resurrection Sunday is how I prefer to call it. But we'll just call it Easter Sunday for right now. We're going to walk through that. And so we're getting ready for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And it's taken in the first part of March. In a little while, you'll get something with the prayer calendar on it. And we're going to watch some videos. And so... Listen to this guy who's from Brazil who ends up in Boston. We're going to, you know, because when you give, this guy, this family, this church, this work, even though you're not in Boston, you get to be part of that. And that's what I love about what we call the cooperative program where we all give together this big offering. We give together. And even though I'm not there in the other places that we're going to learn about in the upcoming weeks, I am there because I prayed for that person. You're going to pray for this, this, these people 
in this church. And I get to give, not only to support this church, but other churches. And so that makes my heart feel good to know that the gospel is being taken to places. I Imagine God tells you you've got to save the whole world. That's a lot of people. But imagine that God gifts not only you, but people like this. And we truly can make an impact on the darkness. So let's watch this video. We had a really good life back in Brazil, a really comfortable life in Brazil. My wife, uh, she was a lawyer for the government, and uh, I was uh, a pastor in my, in my church. And then I visited a friend here in New England. He showed me around and he showed me people not knowing Jesus. We got over uh, 500,000 Brazilians living in all New England. And then I realized that God was calling us. We took the flight and we landed here in, uh, in Boston. 20 days after this, my wife delivered our daughter. I spoke uh, zero English at that time. It wasn't easy, our beginning here. I had to be strong for my wife and for my daughter. So I didn't give myself this opportunity to give up. And I remember that my first job was working at a Dunkin' Donuts. So I met a few Brazilians there and we started some small groups. And our focus was really specific to reach non-believers and to reach people who, who didn't know Jesus. So basically, my ministry is based on a friendship. And uh, the people who attend the church uh, are your friends. We started like gathering with people and we found a place and uh, we started doing Sunday services. When people give, they are really helping uh, some families to thrive and to survive, uh, especially uh, at the beginning of the journey. For me and for my family, it's been uh, uh, vital. What I'm learning is if, if God called you, He will provide. Worship God through song as we sing His greatness and His everlasting love. Please join me. Love endures forever, for he is good. 
above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. He tells everybody to be seated, and I stand up. <laughs> and it's a story of my life. So we're in the book of Jeremiah, the Jeremiah the eleventh chapter. We're going to go. We're going to start in verse eighteen, so you know where we're headed to if you're following along in, in your in your paper Bible there. Otherwise, you follow on the Bible app; it will show up there. If you're at home, you get your Bible out. That's where we're going to be at. The slides will show up in the corner. And matter of fact, you need the Bible app at home as you're watching along. So it kind of hit me this morning. As a matter of fact, as I carried this in, uh, this week I was up in Springfield at a meeting with the organization called Denominee. And matter of fact, I'll show you, this is what they gave to us. It's a little um, three-ring binder, and we had all the tabs and notes in it. And ever, uh, here, Here's the deal. Denominee is about change and the change of how you do things or how you look at things. And I, I, you know, I, I learned, I'm going to tell you that we learned a lot. The exercises were fun. Some of the exercises were simply fun because you got to talk to somebody else in person. Okay? <laughs> Just saying. And so it was good. It was a good day 
to learn. But this is how I think. This is how I think. Here's an organization telling me how to change and why I need to change and why we need to change and why we need to do things and how we're going to do it and the steps that we're going to do to make that happen. And they hand me a three-ring binder. They were making these in 1950. Okay? They, really, they were. I mean, this is, you know, tell me change and then hand me something we've been using for hundreds of years and tell me to get on an ink pen and write on paper. I didn't do that. I'm just going to say, okay? I did a little bit differently. I say that to say this. We don't change very well. We don't change very well. We have an illusion of comfort. We are content to be where we're at. Free ring binders, paper and ink pens works, right? How many of you still use day planners, the ink pen and paper, right? They make those so you don't have to do that. Um, Sandy Wiz and Martin put a checklist on it. It was made of paper. Do you know they make it on your phone, and when you check it, it goes down to the bottom. You don't see it anymore. You know, it, it's 2021, okay? Old habits don't die easy. We don't change very easy. How many of you like to go to the doctor? Are there anybody out there raising their hands? Because there's nobody in here raising their hands. I'm telling you, you know, lately that's been the only place you got to see people, right? All right, so, so maybe the doctor isn't such a bad thing. But do you ever, you know, do you go to the doctor and you don't like going to the doctor because the doctor might tell you something? Like Lisa doesn't like me, go to the do- me to go to the doctor, my oncologist guy. He doesn't like me, she doesn't like me to go to the oncologist by myself because we just talk about his kids and his picnic tables and stuff like that. You know, family vacations. Well, what do you say to you about your health? I'm nothing, you know, because I didn't ask him anything. All right? So, so why didn't I? Because we don't like to go to the doctor because the doctor will often tell us what? We don't want to hear. How many times has a doctor told you you needed to change the way you were doing things? Yeah. How many of you did that? Right, you know, I mean, I, I know it. You know, we're, we're going through, uh, with the pastors, we go through articles and it talks about how we really need to do something besides stare at our desk and our walls. We need to get out and take a walk and do some exercise. Guys, we need to get out and do some exercise. You do that and report back to me and see how it works, okay? That's how that works out, right? I mean, that's how, you know, I think, I, I know to do it, but I don't necessarily get out there and do it. You can tell, right? I don't necessarily get out there and do that. That's what happens. I was reading through a book. It's on change. It's a follow-up to um, Canoeing the Mountains, which was about Meriwether Lewis and Clark and how they, you know, they, they ran out of water. They were supposed to get in the water and paddle to they got to or the, another body of water they were never supposed to get out of the water except for to camp at night and to get food and and postcards to send back to the president all right that, that's what they were doing but eventually they ran out of water and they were staring at mountains you're holding a canoe and you're staring at a mountain it's not going to work is it you know I, I'm, I'm telling you canoes are not those canoes were not lightweight you don't want to drag it up a mountain to find out that there's really no water on the other side either. And so 
the follow-up book that, to that is resilience. And in the book, of res, in, the, in the last kind of chapter, it, sta, it, it, it shares the stats. Is it 90% of people, when they go to the doctor and the doctor tells them that if they don't change their habits, they're going to die kind of thing, 90% of people will risk death rather than change. Tom Rainer talks about, talks about that in um, the autopsy of the deceased church. Talks about his own dad, who was a smoker, apparently. And the doctor says, if you quit smoking, it'll add this many years to your life. He kept on smoking. And it cut his life short. You know, so, so when, I, when we're talking about change, that's the thing that, that I want us to think about. I'm all about change as long as you'll do it. Right? I mean, that's what, that's what it amounts to. I'm all about change as long, you know, when the doctor tells me you got to change something, okay, so I won't eat the whole dozen donuts. Can I can eat 11, right? Is that good? No donuts is what he's telling you. And I'm going, well, 11 I could do. That's how this works. So we're going to talk about this this morning as we read through Jeremiah, the 11th chapter, starting verse 18. Now this is interesting because we come into a time when you're reading through the book of Jeremiah, and I hope that you do, you get to see this. You get to see what we're going to read about here where Jeremiah speaks and God answers. That's a novel concept, right? That's a conversation. How many of you, you know, I want you to know this, that if you'll talk to God, if you'll be quiet for a minute, God will talk back to you. I want you to think about that as we read here and understand this goes through several chapters in the book of Jeremiah. That God actually is a living God and he can speak. Remember the idols, they couldn't speak. Don't talk to God like he's an idol. Talk to God like he's a living being because he is. So let's pick it up in Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 18. Moreover, the Lord made it known to me and I knew it. Then you showed me their deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter, and I did not know that they had devised plots against me, saying, let us destroy the tree with its fruit, and let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tries the feelings and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for, you have, for to you I have committed my cause. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the man of Anathoth, who seek your life, saying, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, so that you will not die at our hand. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am about to punish them. The young men will die by the sword. Their sons and daughters will die by famine. And a remnant will not be left to them, for I will bring disaster on the men of Anathoth, the year of their punishment. Now, when we're looking at this, this is what, if you're reading through a study book or a... Uh, anyway, when you're reading through and you're studying on, on Jeremiah, um, you're going to see this phrase. This is, it's called the lament. We think of lamentations, but you see it in the Psalms, and you see it here in Jeremiah. And it's the first lament is what it's talking about, the first lament. 
And let's look at the structure of the lament, and we'll see it in the verses that we read. The first part of a lament is the problem or the complaint is made knowing. Well, what happens here? I find this interesting because God speaks to him. Jeremiah was oblivious, apparently, to the fact that somebody was out to put him to death. God lets him know that you are about to be put, you know, somebody's out, there's a reward for your head. Okay, there's a reward. They want to put you to death. And so that's the complaint. That's the problem. Let me ask you, if you had your name on a wanted poster and it says wanted dead and are dead, okay, would you have an issue with that? Would that be something to pray about? I think so. All right. So his life's being threatened, and that's the complaint, that's the petition. What did Jeremiah do? What did Jeremiah do? What do we do when we find out something's threatening to us? What's your first response? Think about that. You, I, I'm just asking. Because we all face issues at times that, that we're threatened. Something about our livelihood or our, our person or something is threatened. And what do we do? Well, Jeremiah doesn't, doesn't blink. At least in this passage here, he doesn't go try to fix it on himself. He doesn't go talk to the people of Anathoth and, hey, guys, uh, why do you want to kill me? Um, here, here, you know, what can we do to work? Let's work this out. What Jeremiah does is a lesson for all of us to learn, right? When Jeremiah is facing a situation, Jeremiah prays. He petitions God. He lays this out. It's like the Hezekiah thing. Here's the letter. You know what they're doing? You know what they're saying? And that's what Jeremiah does. He lays that out before God. And then the last part of the lament is this. The last part of the lament is this. It is a celebration. It is God answers. Because when you read through that, it talks about it ends with the year of their punishment. These people who are threatening you, Jeremiah, God is going to take care of. I think that's wonderful. And I want you to think about how this starts out. How did this this start? It started because God initiated it. God let Jeremiah know that you've got a problem. Did you notice that God didn't say, hey, you had a problem and I took care of it? God says you have a problem, which means then Jeremiah has to do what? What Jeremiah needs to do, and that's when he prays. You see, God wants us to learn to trust him. And so when I'm looking at this lesson in Jeremiah here, and his life is threatened, I see, I see that God, God could have, right? You've done that with your kids. You, you did something behind their back that they didn't see, and you took care of them. But what God does here is he doesn't do that. He taps Jeremiah on his shoulder and says, Hey, things are not as good as you think they are. Or if you think things are bad, they're really worse than they are. Let me tell you that somebody's out for your life. And Jeremiah responds and asks God to take care of it. And then the God who told him about it did take care of it. That's a beautiful story. That's where I want to be. That's where I want you to be. 
that when you find yourself in a place of difficulty, that what you do then is that you respond and take it back to God. And say, God, can you fix this? And then wait and expect that God is going to take care of it. Have you ever reached out for help and then while you're waiting for help, did it yourself? Or attempted to do it yourself? Jeremiah didn't do that. Don't do that. Call out to God. Follow God's leadership. God may have you do something. But follow God's leadership. Let God take the lead on taking care of the problem. Don't go, well, he must be busy. God is not busy, okay? I mean, God is busy, but he, he is there to answer. Think about that. That's what we want. We want to be in that place where God lets us see the problem. That means we're talking to God, right? God is, God, we're talking to God. God tells us what the issue is. We say, God, what are you going to do about it? And then we wait and expect that God is going to do something about it. Now, here's the flip side of this. This is where we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning is why would they threaten Jeremiah? He's one guy. I mean, why would they threaten to kill Jeremiah? That's what they want to do. Like a lamb to the slaughter. That's what they want to do. They want to, you know, if you understand the imagery there, they want to take the tree down so it can't bear any fruit. They don't want it to go any further. They want to chop it off of the root. They want to burn it up. And they want no remembrance of Jeremiah. The idea that Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah is still, we're still reading that today, that would bother the prophets or the people of, and the men of Anathoth. That would bother them. So that's what's going on here. Why, why would they feel so about Jeremiah? Why, why so adamant about Jeremiah? You, you know, you get, on, you get on Facebook or something and you're watching TV and you scroll through and you see something you don't like. What do you do? I move on. Yeah, you know, I, I can scroll till I find pictures of motorcycles. I can, you know, I can flip through the TV channels till I find something that's, you know, an old car rebuild or something like that. So I, I have the ability to do that. The man of Anathoth were not willing to scroll through it. They were not willing to change the channel. They were so adamant about Jeremiah that they wanted to put him to death. They were plotting. To, and it's not just one guy. It's a lot of people. And the, the, the other thing that bothers you about this, and I, I didn't mention this yet, that that's where Jeremiah is from. This may have been his own family or members of his family, cousins, uncles, whatever, that wanted to get rid of your own. You know, it's bad when your own family wants to wipe you out. That's where we're at. So why is it? That's what we want to talk a little bit about. And we're, going to, we're going to do a little speculating, but it's not unbiblical speculating. In other words, we're going to find examples of this in other places and maybe in our own life. So why would they threaten? There's three things that I'm going to put up here that we can think about. One is the economic part of it. The economic part of it. So if you're making your living by preaching 
something other than what Jeremiah is doing. So back up just a little bit more, give you a little bit more background so you understand this. This appears to be related to the, um, the message at the temple. Remember when he stood outside of the message, outside of the temple, the people were going to church? And he's telling the church people they need to amend their ways, or, or um, as the message put it, they need to clean up their act. And, and you're, you're walking into the temple. I mean, I'm going to church. I'm ready to sing about God. And you're telling me I'm ready to give an offering plate. I'm, gonna, I'm bringing my sacrifice in their day. I'm ready to do all of that. And you're telling me I need to clean up your act. You need to go talk to those people that ain't walking in here. And that's how we feel about it. And they were so offended by what they said. This is the response to that. That's where the threat initially comes from. And what Jeremiah said could have been affecting their livelihood. Where do we find that at? Remember in 1 Corinthians, in, in the city of Corinth? In the city of Corinth, when we're reading through that in the book of Acts, we find that, that Paul shows up, he plants a church. Apparently, that, that it is doing so well. Because what's Paul telling them? You know those, those Artemis statues? They don't do anything. You need to ditch those and not buy any more because they're, they're doing absolutely no good for you. And the guys who are making these statues, well, they're noticing that they're not flying off the shelves anymore. And they look into it and decide, why is this happening? Did, somebody, did the guy down the street start making an Artemis, an animated Artemis, okay, that lights up or something? You know, what, what's going on there? Why, why are my Artemis statues not moving I mean, because people, you need these to protect you from all kinds of evil. And, and so they find out that it's Paul telling people that these things don't work. And people are not buying it. What do they do to Paul? Paul has affected their pocketbook. Paul has affected their livelihood. And so rather than change, the problem is Paul. So they get rid of Paul. They wanted to kill Paul too. So when I look here in the man of Anathoth and how they're dealing with Jeremiah and they wanted to put him to death, one of my first guesses is this, that he was cutting in to their livelihood. He was cutting into their livelihood, their economy. So let me ask you this part of, of a question. When somebody asks you to change and it affects your paycheck, do you go, that's no big deal? Or do you pause? Did you listen to the missionary this morning on the video? He's in Brazil. He's got a church. And his wife is a lawyer for the government. Now, I don't know how it works in Brazil, but every place else, lawyers make pretty good change. And as we, you know, God calls him. And what's he doing back in Boston? Where's his first job at? Dunkin' Donuts. That's not the same level as a lawyer for the government. And just say, you know, I, I, you know it just, Dunkin' Donuts is a nice place. It's where all of our problems start, right? But anyway, he had to change 
and it affected his pocketbook. Sometimes we're not so apt to want to change because it affects the amount of stuff we have. The other part of it, it cuts into our authority. Right? Why don't we want to change because it affects our authority? When you start telling people that they need to amend their ways, they need to clean up their act, you're looking at the guys told you that you were doing just fine. The false prophets, as you read through the book of Jeremiah, did what? They told the people they didn't need to change. You are fine just the way you are. Then you've got a guy coming along and saying, hey, they're lying to you. It begins to cut into your authority. We had this when Jesus started speaking. Who was the most adamant opponent of Jesus? It wasn't the drunkards. It wasn't the tax collectors. It wasn't the sinners. The ones who drove him to the cross were the religious people. Why? Because he caught into their authority. They had a hold of what they wanted to teach and what they wanted to preach. And Jesus came to them and said, it's more than rule keeping, it is a heart issue. And that's exactly what Jeremiah is speaking, is about a heart issue. This stuff in the temple that you're doing isn't getting your heart right. You need to get your heart right. We as members of the church, we do all kinds of things. You can, put, you can unload all those apps from your phone, that, you know, those angry bird things, and put Bible apps in its place. And that doesn't get the heart right. We've got to work on getting the heart right. And, and here, these people are angry, one, because he affected their income, two, because he affected their authority. You've been, you've been, you're not, you've been holding out on me? Is what you would say to those people. You've been, you've been preaching to me that what I'm doing is fine. Imagine going to your regular, going back to your regular doctor after the, the specialist tells you you're in this shape because you did this, and you go back to your doctor and says you said that was okay. You're a little angry, aren't you? You want to, you know, you if you'd have told me back then that this was going to put me in this place, I wouldn't be in this place. I need to know that, and you're not telling me that. You're not telling me that. That's, what the man of Anathoth were content to do. I'll tell you what you, I'll tickle your ears, you put money in the pot, and I'm all good. Nobody gets closer to God that way. Nobody gets closer to God that way. And the last one is just simply change. We, we don't like to change. We don't like to change. You know, I, I told you I went to this denominee thing. I've been to other things that talk, you know, reading about the, who, who uh, the canoe in the mountains and other things like who moved my pulpit, all about change. And it talks about change leader. Oftentimes what we want to do is we figure that we're not the problem and everybody else would change around us, that would fix everything. Right? I, you, know, you don't have to lead anything. To know that whatever in your house, at your workplace, it's Everybody else would change, and this place would be a better place to work. This house would be a better place to live. This church would be a better place to live. If you all would change. Did you understand that? I'll stay the same, and you change, and we'll be a better church. We do not like to change. We are creatures. of We, we learn it, and we get stuck in it. 
And so for a long time, you know, Jeremiah is telling them they got to clean up their act. That means that they can't continue to do what they're doing. Whatever habits it is, whatever they are doing, they have what they feel is a closeness to God and it's not working out. They are comfortable with that. They, they walk around and brag how close they are to God. And then Jeremiah comes over there and says, you are not even in the neighborhood. You need to change things up. Well, I'm perfectly content doing what I'm doing, and I think I'm close enough to God. And that's the way we are with our health. I feel good. You might feel good while they're looking at the insides of you, telling you don't, you don't, you're not as good as you think you are. And if you don't change, things are going to... Jeremiah was looking at the inside of them through the eyes of God and saying, you are not as healthy as you think you are. You need to change. I'm not changing. I'm not changing. And that's where we find ourselves. We choose comfort over change. We choose to stay in a place where we are comfortable as individuals, as businesses, as churches, whatever. As Christians, we, we choose comfort over the change. God sent Jeremiah to speak to a people that were destined for punishment because God is a merciful and graceful, God full of grace. And he wants to offer up forgiveness. He doesn't want to carry the people away. He doesn't want to cast the people into the lake of the fire. So he sends people like Jeremiah, to speak into the lives so that they might change their lives, so that they might get off the path of destruction they're on and get back on the right path. Remember I tell you, you know, we're sitting here and, and we feel like we're pretty good, but you know what we're missing out on? Is that relationship with God. And that, that closeness to God, that peace and that joy and that love that only happens when you're close to Jesus. We saddle for something else. We get comfortable in our mud. You know, we're like, this, this last week was brutally cold. What did you hear on the radio or on the news stations in St. Louis? Probably in Springfield. There was a group of people that did what? They went out to the homeless people to give them socks and blankets. They would offer to tell them that there were warming centers they could get out of the cold. What did those people do? They preferred to stay in the cold. We look at that and we can't understand why in the world would you not come out of the cold into a place where it's warm and they're going to feed you. That's all. They just, they just want to help you. They're not going to put you into forced labor or anything like that. They just want you to come in out of the cold and get a decent meal. And, and we shake our heads and it's like, why wouldn't they do that? I'm telling you, Jeremiah is speaking to these people and he's asking these people who are out in the cold to come in and out of the cold and be fed by God and they still want to stay out there. And you and I are the same way. God invites us into a much deeper relationship than we have. God invites us to be like him and we want to, we want to stay out in the cold. We shake our heads at the homeless. God shakes his head at us because we won't make that change. This story had two people in it, Jeremiah 
or the men of Anathoth, two groups. I'm, I'm Jeremiah, right? I'm speaking the truth. I'm praying to God. That's who I want to, that's who I want to be in the story. This, they're, 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 called, they're doing casting for this play, right? And you can choose to be Jeremiah or the man of Anathoth. Which one do you want to be? You want to be Jeremiah, right? The one that's close to God, the one that, that God taps on his shoulder and says, hey, there are people out for your life. I'm watching over you. I'm taking care of you. And, and, and God, will you take care of this? And God takes care of it. That's who you want to be because you want to be that person that's like Jeremiah walking close to God. But as I walk through this, I'd like to think that, but I'm just going to admit, and, and you guys can pray for me because you, you guys are all on the Jeremiah side of the line. But I'm probably more on the, the man of Anathoth's side. Because I miss out on where God wants. I'm not amending my ways. I'm not cleaning up my act like God is calling me to do. And I push back against the change that God wants in my life. It may be for economy. It may be for money. It may be for um, my authority, it may be for just the fact of change. Whatever the reason is, I'm probably more like the man of Anathoth. Because God speaks to me and wants to draw me in closer to him. And I stand outside. And I say I'm fine. I don't know where you find yourself out today. I pray that you're all Jeremiah's. Online too. Later this week. But I want you to be honest with yourself. Because you'll never get to the Jeremiah side unless you realize you're the men of Anathoth. You won't change until you realize you're on the wrong side of things. And so you may not change. Even though you realize you're on the wrong side, of you just may dig in your heels and say, I'm staying here. And I'm going to plead with you because God is pleading with you to change your ways and draw close to him. What's this world need? It needs a lot of things, but what it needs is his people to live like his people in a world out there that's in darkness. And that means you and I looking more like Jeremiah and less like the man of Anathoth. And that means I've got to say, God, help me get past the place that I am in and change and come over to where you want me to to leave my home in Brazil and come to Boston. To give up everything I had there where I was comfortable and go where you want me to be. What's God asking you to do today? What's God calling you to do today? What, where is your relationship with God? God wants you much closer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Father, as we come to you in prayer, after having looked at your word, Father, I pray that, that you would speak to our hearts and draw us to you, Lord. Father, help us to admit, Lord, where we are at. Father, help us to seek the change that only you can bring about. Father, may we learn from Jeremiah, Lord, that when we face troubles, Lord, we bring them to you and expect an answer. Father, I pray for those, Lord, that we know that do not know you. Father, I pray that today, might be the day that, that we can speak to them, that they ask that question, that they might even pray at this moment for the forgiveness of their sins. They might claim you 
as Jesus and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for, for being here, for joining us online. And I want you okay, know this, that if you need to talk, if you need to walk through something, because my goal isn't just to come in here, deliver a message, and walk out. Um, I, I want to know what God's doing in your life. How can I pray for you? And you know, we can put them in the prayer thing. The, 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 you can put them online, put them in the comment thing. You can message the church so the whole world doesn't see. You can hand me a piece of paper on the way out, or you can just stop, simply talk and say, stop and talk and say, excuse me, I, I need to talk. Okay? And we might do it today. We might do it later this week. But no, we're in this together. Right? I, I care about you. I care about you because I want to I want to see you tossing multiple crowns at the feet of Jesus. It's really what it's about. I don't want to see you skin in there by like burnt toast. I want you to to walk in. I want you to run in. And I want to help you do that. I want to help you do that. So uh, we're reading and, and you can do that online too. We'll make that happen. We make a phone call happen. We can we can do a virtual meeting online, something like that. But here's our readings for this week, Hebrews 3 through 4, Psalm 137 through 142, Proverbs 27 and John 15. Read the scripture. Let God speak to you. You know, I, I use that phrase, have you read? I wrote this down as I was doing the meeting the other day, and it's, it's what has God said to you today? Because we serve a living God. Um, if I looked around the room and, and you're here with your spouse, I could ask you what your wife or your husband said today to you, and you'd, you'd say, this is what they said. God is very much alive. We ought to have an answer. What has God said to you? Thank you. 